Welcome to the Today is the Day podcast, where we take a deep dive into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. We offer practical tools and strategies so you can easily integrate what you learn into your everyday habits. As we're just getting started, we thought this would be a good opportunity to let you get to know us a little bit, and so we're sharing our house rules with you. These are the things that are non-negotiable in our home and our lives that help us live happier and healthier. We'll be covering a key part of every one of our dinners, something we'll never bring into the bedroom with us at the end of the day, the one question we ask that's critical in our decision-making, and generally how we keep our baby and each other happy and healthy. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Megan Peltner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And joining me as always is my life and travel partner, Josh Catalis. Hi, everyone. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto. I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program and an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. As our podcast is brand shiny and new, and some of you might be brand shiny and new to us, we thought this would be a fun way for you to get to know us and get a bit of insight into what we do to maintain our health at home. So let's dive into the house rules. Let's begin with the end of the day, Megan. Let's begin at the end. Okay. So dinner time, we come home. We've had a, a day at work. Yes. We've gotten our things to do list done. And uh, we end up at the dinner table. Yeah. Me, you, Finley, a beautiful yeah. plate of food. And what do we do? We always, 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 non negotiable, take a moment for gratitude. And sometimes that's the form of, oh my goodness, can you imagine? Like, think about all the people that went into getting this food onto our plate, all the people who grew it and harvested it and processed it or shipped it. Everyone who helped get it to the stores, we and, bought it. And make the plate and, and make the table make that the, we're eating on and the chair that we're sitting in. Our shisham wood table. And one of the parts we do now that we have our little man Finley is the three of us hold hands and we give an ohm. And it's super cute because Finley actually thinks we're saying home, which is also really fitting and that can work. And I think it's just a really nice way to sort of transition from the hecticness of the day to settling into a relaxing dinner or as relaxing as it can be with a two-year-old at the table. But it just shifts us into being present with each other and being ready for that evening meal. And of course, there's science behind this, Josh. (laughs) Well, if you think about religion, right? Most religions, if not every religion, has some sort of blessing before they eat at the table. In fact, we have a book, right? Which is a whole bunch of different blessings that come from a whole bunch of different places. I'm trying to think. I think it was actually a culinary nutrition expert that gifted that to me. Oh, they gave me what the a best nice presents. Present. Yeah. 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 So it's it's been a tradition. I think because most cultures, most tribes, most people that have a spiritual practice live close to the land, live close to their food. They understand what it takes to make food and harvest yeah. food and get that food. And then put love into it when you prepare it and bring it to the table and then eat it with the people you love and care about on a daily basis. And that deep breath helps switch us from sympathetic, 
nervous system, the fight or flight, or what we're most most of us are in most of the day, to parasympathetic, which is rest to digest. And so taking that deep breath can actually help improve your digestion of your meal, your assimilation of everything you're eating. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest strategies to clear cortisol, the hormone that's responsible for that fight or flight response. And most people think the first stage of digestion is chewing. It's actually before that. Yes, it's called the cephalic phase of digestion. I love when Josh says it. He just looked at me and like <laughs> he raises his eyebrows whenever he says cephalic phase. <laughs> yes, I did. And uh, this is the phase where we are using all of our senses, yeah. our sight. So seeing the food and seeing the people you're with and the lighting that's around you, smelling the food. So the beautiful aromas that might come from the different herbs and spices and foods you're cooking. Uh, hearing the food, believe it or not, maybe the sizzling sound or the boiling sound or someone clanking the plates and just everything that may come before actually putting that food in your mouth gets us in the tone. All right. So the next house rule is, this was Josh's rule that he brought to the family, which is no phones in the bedroom under any condition. So we shut them off and we leave them in the kitchen, usually charging or one of us is charging. And so that there's never that distraction in the bedroom. It doesn't keep us up late. It doesn't distract our sleep. It's not the first thing we look at when we wake up. So we are taking a good, usually around 14 hour complete break from phones. Right. And what are those phones doing when they're in your bedroom? Well, first of all, they're taking your attention away from whoever, if you are with someone, whoever that other person is in your bedroom. Yeah. You know, it's a great time to catch up on the day, to have more intimate moments. Um, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, you know, read a, a book and, and just... Uh, or meditate. Meditate, or, yeah. There's lots of options. What a lot of people say whenever we say, like, no phones in the bedroom, they're like, but, like, I use it for my clock. But people woke up for work for hundreds of years before there were, like, smartphones. Yeah, side note, Megan and I both do not use an alarm. No. Um, it's been... It's something we made as one of our goals a long time ago to work with our rhythms, both physically and hormonally, to be able to go to sleep on time. And when you go to sleep on time, you wake up on time too. My father always had a song he sang us, which was, go to bed early, wake up early, go to bed late, wake up late. Yeah. And it's something that I've, you know, remembered my whole life and it kind of got drilled into me. So, you know, I think most people just hate the sound of that alarm yeah. going off and taking them out of their slumber. Um, we now we actually do have an alarm now. His name is Finley. He wakes up between 6.10 and 6.30 on a good day. And he ensures we're up early. But unless we have like a flight to catch, even before we had a baby, we, we were up by seven typically. True. And then the other issue with phones, of course, is the electromagnetic frequency. So, you know, I, I advise my clients a lot to get those phones out because of the health implications. Uh, you know, many years ago, we didn't know too much about these electromagnetic frequencies, but now there's an abundance of research and information out there on how they affect our brain, our tissue, our nervous system for people who keep them in their pocket, their reproductive organs for women who keep them in their bra, how it affects the tissue of their breast it's a bit scary. And the best thing to do is just to completely avoid it, to not get exposed to that. You know, our nervous system is our most complex electrical system on the planet. 
And one more thing to add to that is also, well, one thing you can do for those of you listening who want to really implement this, especially if you have, I recognize this is a huge challenge with kids and teenagers specifically, but a good tip is to put your routers, your Wi-Fi routers on a timer so they will automatically go off at a certain time. Uh, so that really inhibits the the old surfing of the interweb in the middle of the night. And the other part is the blue light. So I was warned actually when I had Finn, they're like, you're gonna be up in the middle of the night, like shopping on your phone while you're nursing. I never once turned on my phone at nighttime. I never even had a desire to. I wanted to be as asleep as possible through the night. But that blue light is stimulating. That's what stimulates your body that it's time to wake up. That's why we have blue skies. It's the full spectrum of lighting outside. So we take it a step further and we actually use red lights at nighttime when we're reading. Josh has a has a Kobo, like a Kindle, that has a red light in it. And I don't because I've got a really old one. So I actually use a red headlamp as like as if I was going mining. So that's what we use to, to keep out that blue light. So there's several reasons to keep that phone out of the bedroom. So just do it. Right. Our next one is about how we kind of keep the house in order. And that's divide and conquer. Keep the household running smoothly. So what we do is we basically share all of our house chores equally. There's a few things that Megan specializes in. There's a few things that I specialize in. When we were moving into the house, I was like, I will handle interiors, decor, anything that needs repair or fixing or sewing or cleaning. Um, I'm really good at those things. I won the Family Studies Award in grade eight. And I know it can also sound sort of gender specific or, or stereotypically gender specific, but I'm really, really good at home economics and domestic duties. And I actually really like them. I love doing the laundry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I really enjoy vacuuming actually. Yeah. Josh it's does vacuuming. You but know, so when that stuff goes through the vacuum. <laughs> that's one of my most satisfying moments ever. And so Josh handles a lot of the structural stuff. So like if the eavesdrops are blocked, he takes care of hiring the repair people. And so we've really divided that up. We don't have to check in on each other for it or with it. We've take, we take turns doing grocery shopping and it's not like I did it last week, you did it this week. It's really who's got the time this week, um, who can take that one on. We sort of split dinner responsibility. We split cleanup responsibility. And if one of us is really tired, the other will take on the load without question and without like, you owe me, where we really have a feeling, a strong feeling that we're in it together. And it feels nice to do something nice for someone else to help them out and to serve in that way. And I think that helps us to have just a, a calmness to, to our way of operating through, through our life. Yeah. And I don't think that everyone needs to be a pro at everything. Like it's nice when people have their specialties. It's really nice that we can both cook. Yeah. That's what I was actually going to get, oh. at, Megan, is that, you know, no matter uh, what your specialties are, I think Megan and I both believe, obviously, as well, we're both nutritionists, that everyone should know how to cook and maybe not be an extraordinary chef, but at least know a few dishes that are really healthy, have good sustenance and good uh, nutrition as part of them. And that can be your go-to's in a situation where you're alone or your partner's not there, or maybe you're taking care of the kids, or maybe you have to take care of a family member and you have a few go-tos in order to not have to resort to, you know, takeout foods or processed foods or foods that might not be that healthy. 
without dropping like subtle hints towards like the three to 400 recipes around my blog or my cookbook. But there is such an abundance and such an easy way to get recipes. So everyone should be able to make four meals. Like if you can commit to saying, I can make four dinners really, really well, that will help out your household, your friends, your family, as Josh mentioned. Um, just being able to invite people over and cook if you live on your own is is a nice, empowering, empowering thing to do. The caveat to, to this one thing was after I wrote that, the aforementioned Undiet Cookbook, is I went on strike, I think, for a year. I just couldn't cook. I couldn't be in the kitchen. I was like sick of all food. It was such a, it was so much cooking for that project. And Josh took it on, no problem. Yeah. And I believe that the doctor... Or sorry, the <laughs> the yeah. chef. Yeah, no, no. The chef of the family right. is the doctor of the family, or the cook of the family is the doctor of the family, because you really do control the health of every single person in that household if you're controlling the food that they're eating. Okay, our next house rule. I love this one. This was something that Josh introduced, which maybe I was doing before. I don't even know, but it's if someone says, "Oh, say hi to Josh." I have to pass it along. And so Josh reciprocates it. We each come into contact with a lot of people on a daily basis. Josh more so because he sees people in person. What I do is predominantly online. But usually like someone will be like, oh, how's so-and-so doing? Be sure to say hi. And you just don't. But it's such a nice thing. And it makes you feel good. Someone's thinking about you. Someone inquired about you. So that's one of the things we the house rule. If someone says, say hi to Josh, or I read Josh's blog and I really loved it, we pass on that positive kindness. Yeah. I take what people say very seriously. I know you, you do. Know? So, so that's one that's always stuck with me. You know, send my regards to Megan. Okay. I will send your regards, right? <laughs> you can be very literal. <laughs> and, and another example, a little bit off, off topic is when someone asks me the time, I tell them the time, <laughs> like I hated back in the day or even still when I say, what's the time? And they're like, Oh, it's almost eight. That my they say it's eight, and then I look at the clock, and it's like seven fifty-seven. Well, my my mom does that with the time. She'll be like, "It's already eight o'clock." I'm like, "It's seven fifteen. Interesting. Or like in July, she'll be like, "The summer's already over." Mm-hmm. It's like it just started. Speaking of time, I have a really good friend who's a South African, and the South Africans say, "Oh, I'll see you just now." which doesn't mean right now, it actually means later. And that created some problems. I was going to ask you about your literal thing when someone asks you a question. If someone says, how are you? That's a bit different. I think it sort of depends on context. Because some people, you also have to see where it's coming from. Like if someone, if you see someone on the street and it's just passing by and they say, oh, how are you? They probably, if you're really feeling crappy, don't actually really want to know how you are in that moment and deal with that baggage. Well, usually if I'm feeling really crappy, I don't want to start a conversation. But most often, like we walk into a store and people are like, how are you doing? We both go, we're great. Mm -hmm. They're like, you guys are so happy. Mm -hmm. It's nice. And if we do say we're great, we do mean it. So the next one is lights out by 10 p.m. Yeah. Back to the bedroom. This is super. We spend a lot of time in our bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) I like it there. We have a really good bed. Yeah. And we already talked about uh, the alarm situation. So, of course, setting a schedule is really helpful for sticking to that schedule on a regular basis. It's really helpful for feeling energized every day and just feeling good and refreshed in the morning. We know that we have a diurnal pattern, meaning that we. A what pattern? Diurnal. 
I don't know if I've ever heard that word. Yeah. So is, there's like night and day. There's there's two phases to it. There's cortisol comes up in the day, goes down in the evening. Melatonin comes up at night, goes down in the morning. Well, I know what they mean. I just didn't know the word yeah, diurnal. Just, uh... <laughs> Which is why it's also so important when you wake up in the morning to get outside. It's one of the reasons I think winter is so hard, especially here in Canada, where it's dark for so long and so late into the morning that you know, when we were trying to get Finley to sleep for longer stretches, we learned about the dramatic wake up, which we thought was really funny. But so that when it's time for him to wake up, when he was waking up at 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning, which was not ideal, we were trying to extend it. So when it would be like 6.30, we're like, yay, he made it. It would be a dramatic wake up where we turn on all the lights and open the window and try and make the house as bright as possible to start to train his what was the word? Diurnal pattern. His diurnal pattern. Or circadian rhythms. Most people know circadian rhythms. Yeah, I know circadian, circadian I do know circadian yeah. rhythm. Yeah. So that's really, really important that we're not, and I mean, that goes back to not putting a phone on in the middle of the night too, but so we go to sleep regularly evenings and weekends. And I think that's a really important thing that a lot of people will have completely different sleep patterns on the weekend than they do during the week. They may stay up way later, sleep in way later, and then they're spending the rest of the week. It's almost like having jet lag. Yeah. And the only exception to this really is when we're out on social events. So we go out for dinner with some friends or there's a wedding or like, you know, some odd situation that doesn't happen too often. We will make an exception where we don't say, oh, yeah, we, we have we to be really, lights out by 10 p.m. Yeah, we really, you, it doesn't happen too often. It really doesn't happen too often no. anymore. But when we do that, I'm a mess the next day. Oh, yeah. Like I can't, sh I can't get to sleep properly if I go to sleep too late. I wake up too early. I just don't feel rested. Even if I get the same amount of sleep, it just, I don't feel right mm -hmm. the next day. And that's one of the reasons why people who have do shift work can develop such different, a variety of different health problems because you're not getting into that cycle, which is so critical for effectively the whole cascade of hormones in the body. Mm -hmm. And before we started dating, um, you used to do a lot of your work at night. Is that true? <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm being put on the spot? <laughs> I did work in the evenings, but I never worked late. Like I was right. never up. I was never working past 10. I was just, I would work in the evenings instead of watch television or whatever people do at night. But we would still, when we were, just since Josh brought up dating, I like to call it courting. Uh, when we were just friends and I was basically chasing him, we would joke at like eight in the morning, we'd send each other an email. We'd already done like a hundred things before like most people were, had gotten up because we both inherently, Josh is a morning person by nature. I'm a morning person by practice and by wanting to be a morning person because I really like those early hours when it's quiet. But we love getting an early start to the day, feeling rested when we wake up and feeling good through the day. And the only way to do that is to get to sleep early enough. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, my core belief is that, you know, as you said, some people naturally do better in the morning. Some people naturally do better in the evening. But when people say that they're a night owl, I think it's almost like a label to help justify their messed up circadian rhythms. Maybe. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of people that do feel incredibly creative at night mm -hmm. that, you know, appreciate the quiet during those long stretches. However, I think people could be retrained. And they could find that quiet in the morning, I think, yeah. as well. You know, again, I'm looking at what 
makes us the best healthy version of ourselves. And oftentimes I'm looking at our ancestors to see how they lived. You know, there was never electricity. They couldn't mess with their circadian rhythms as well as we can do it now. So they had to do most of their work during the light hours during the day. You know, farmers have it figured out. They wake up with the sun, they go to sleep with the sun because they can't really work in the fields otherwise. So there are hormonal repercussions about that, as I've mentioned, and that can have pretty profound impacts on health. Yeah. So we want to try to stick to those rhythms so if, as much as possible. If possible. you want to retrain to become more of a morning person, and I've looked into different sleep patterns because I've had a lot of challenge recalibrating my sleep since having Finn and spending you know a year and a bit up multiple times a night. But one of them is to optimize your time in bed. So if you get into bed at 10, try not to spend more than eight hours in bed. So you're waking up and getting out of bed six hours later. I mean, eight hours later or nine hours later, if you read a bit in bed or whatever, but not extending it. The longer you stay in bed, it's like you're you're reducing the, the efficiency of your nighttime. So you want to optimize that time in bed and then get up have that dramatic wake up for yourself. So you're turning the lights on, having some water, potentially exercising if that's what you need to get things moving in your body. That's a great way to to wake up, meditate. Then you have your shower, you eat your meal, and then you can leave and start your day. And those habits can help to recalibrate your body, your circadian rhythm to sleep at nighttime and wake up in the morning. And it may not be appropriate for your lifestyle to do that. But, you know, most jobs start at nine in the morning or, you know, you want to make the most of the daylight hours for your mental health. There's a lot of benefits to actually being up for the daytime. Here's where we take a little break in today's conversation for a different kind of culinary nutrition inspiration. This time it's coming from longtime friends and culinary nutrition expert program graduates, Candy Haas and Rita Childers. Candy took the program in 2014 and Rita was so inspired by Candy's personal transformation that she followed suit graduating in 2015. They then got to work creating their company Core and Rind and their flagship product, Cashew Cheesy Sauce. I'll let them tell you the story. First, here's Candy. I'm Candy Haas, and I'm a proud 2014 graduate of the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. I came from a background of not knowing how to cook, like anything. I was so hungry to learn how to nourish myself and how to feel good again. I soon decided to make what turned out to be the best decision I could have ever made for my health and my life. And that was to take the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. Each week, I was super excited to dive into the delicious, diverse, and nourishing recipes. I was blown away by the knowledge I was gaining and by how much support was given by Megan and her tribe. After the program, I felt a new confidence, a new excitement about life. The Culinary Nutrition Expert Program inspired me and longtime friend and now business partner Rita to come together and start a company called Pour and Rind. Together, we worked diligently for over a year to create a deliciously creamy and dairy-free cashew cheesy sauce. It's not only clean label and shelf stable, but totally delicious and versatile. It's a one of a kind. Without our CNE training, this simply would not have been possible. We have so much gratitude for Megan for inspiring us to take that leap 
and start a flourishing business of our own. Today truly is the day. Now let's hear from Rita. I'm Rita Childers and I'm a 2015 graduate of the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. This program changed my life in so many positive ways. For me, it opened up a new way of thinking about health. I was sure that there was one diet for everyone and Megan and Josh brought new light to this. I was opened up to a new world of healthy foods, herbal remedies, and ways of eating. The program also fed my joy of cooking by allowing me to make new and nourishing recipes every week. From the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program, I was inspired to start a business, Core and Rind, with my friend and fellow CNE Candy. We create healthier packaged foods to reach people that are struggling with dietary changes. We spent over a year developing our cashew cheesy sauce, making it delicious without any chemical additives or preservatives. And I know that we couldn't have created this without the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. Megan and Josh are the best at what they do, and I cannot recommend this program enough. Having personally and joyfully tried their cashew cheesy sauce, I can attest that it is delicious. It's currently available in stores across the U.S. and on their website at corinrind.com. Head on over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and click on this episode for a direct link plus some extra special episode bonus material. If you like the idea of starting your own business in the culinary nutrition field but aren't sure where to start, why don't you consider joining us in September for the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program? Josh and I are the lead instructors and you have complete support from start to finish with a team of dedicated program coaches. We'd be honored to have you join us. Now, if you want to learn more about the details of the program, we have a monthly program information session and a recording is available if you can't make it live. Head on over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash info session and RSVP to save your seat. Now, let's get back to today's episode. So Megan... Yes, Josh. Who really shines with cleaning dishes in this house? Well, not me. (laughs) I blame it on the fact that I don't wear glasses when I'm cleaning the dishes, so I can't actually see how dirty they are. Yeah, and sometimes I don't tell you, and sometimes I do. And when I do tell you, how do I tell you? Very kindly. Yeah, so that brings us to our next house rule. What is it, Megan? Deliver criticisms with kindness. Right. You know, there's two ways to tell something to someone that they've done wrong, basically. Or that they could improve on. Yeah. With kindness and without kindness or with ego and without ego. So, you know, when we do tell someone that they've done something wrong or that you'd like them to do it a different way, we need to just stick to the facts. And that's what both Megan and I try to do when we communicate. Yes. That's what we try and do with a lot of things. Josh has taught me it's not judgment if it's based on facts as well. So usually when Josh says, Megan, did you clean this pot? There's food stuck all over it. I try not to respond with, okay, then I'll never do the dishes again. (laughs) (laughs) It's an evolution. (laughs) I'm a work in progress, but it's helpful. Or if he says something a certain way that I don't feel is kind or that, you know, even though I know it's never his intention to hurt my feelings, I'll say, that didn't feel nice when you said that. Or the, your tone of voice when you said that might be not how you had intended it to sound. So there's really kind ways to work and live more harmoniously with people. And that's one of our house rules. And timing is also important. So you want to be mindful of, of the tone of voice, 
You want to be kind and factual and not judgmental or egoic about it. Like, well, I can do this. I don't know why you can't figure it out. But also keep in mind timing. So you never want to deliver a criticism or some feedback when someone is, say, exhausted or they've been doing something else really tiring or they've been working really hard at something. So being generally mindful about your tone and your words and your conversation and the intention behind saying something. I'd like to think that we don't say things to the ones we love because we want them to feel lousy about themselves. So that's something to keep in mind. If your intention is always to make someone feel good or feel better or feel encouraged, that will change how you speak to each other. Absolutely. I'd say one of my greatest exercises in life was... Is being married to me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the podcast. <laughs> Closing notes. <laughs> I guess that's part of it. But yeah, when, um, when, we, when you got pregnant and you went through your pregnancy oh. and then we had Finley and everything... And I was in absolute misery, which you were, I have written you about. You were a misery. I have written about it. Megan was sleep deprived. I was sleep deprived. You know, you've got this new human you're taking care of. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you came home for work. You know, there's so many factors that really don't let you be at your best at certain times. And the one thing that I kept on thinking in my head when we're in those moments was whatever I feel right now, whatever negative emotions, whatever frustration or fatigue or anything. Megan's got it worse. And what's interesting is that I thought I was perfectly fine. <laughs> we'll but maybe have to, that we'll was have to pick up this conversation later. That was just my deep exhaustion delusion. Um, and I have written about my postpartum challenges as well on my blog. We'll link to that in our show notes over at culinary nutrition forward slash podcast. So a little secret about Megan and I, um, which I don't think anybody knows, maybe a few family members, is that we love to write jingles. And we don't like sit down and say, okay, we're going to have a, a jingle writing session right now. They kind of just come to us in the most random times where we're singing something about life or we're yeah. on a walk somewhere or we're, it's actually usually happens on walks. It, it happens on walks and it sometimes happens when we're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So we have one that's kind of stuck and we, we're going to uh, debut it here on this podcast. Oh, oh, you're letting me sing. It's a miracle. Well, I guess you can join in. Okay. One. Are you, are you counting us down? Yeah. One, two, three. Simplify, don't complicate. Simplify, don't complicate. Simplify, don't complicate. Because you don't need so much on your plate. That over there? I don't need it. Very good. So, you know, that was we that still very have good a little Josh? work to that, do. That was Josh being kind in his criticism. <laughs> Um, another little secret is Megan's tone deaf. I am a hundred percent tone deaf. We once went to this. We'll we'll get back to this point. But we went to this this David Bowie tribute with choir, choir, choir at the AGO after he died, and they wanted to put us in groups by tone. What are the three tones called that people sing in? Like baritone, tenor, soprano. Yeah, 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 yeah. that. Yeah. And so I just went where Josh was because I don't know, I can't sing. And they would like do examples of the different tones and they all sounded exactly the same to me, which is when I realized that when you're tone deaf, you just don't hear things the same way. Because when I sing, I think I'm perfectly on key and my poor culinary nutrition experts. And if you end up joining us this fall, I do sing while I'm cooking. I think I sound great. 
That's, you all you all know now because I just saying that that I do not. It's genetic. It is genetic because when you sing a wrong tune, if you sing it another time, it's the exact same wrong notes. No, is but isn't there so beautiful in mm. its in its delinquency? <laughs> <laughs> Kindness with criticism. <laughs> I'm a beautiful delinquent. No, but wasn't there? Isn't there a what's it called? I just blanked on the word. Snip, a snip, a single nucleotide polymorphism. Yeah, that makes you tone deaf. Yes, mm, that's an interesting thing. No, I think they added it we to one of those genetic up. tests. It is tone deaf, and I remember we had this conversation because here's another house rule: Megan remembers everything exactly as it happened. <laughs> this is true. But you said to me, "I hope you don't pass that on to our baby when I was pregnant." Yeah, I think Finley's got some good tonacity. He has really good tonacity. Okay, so is tonacity a word? Mm -hmm. Simplify, don't complicate. Or will this simplify our life or complicate it is a key question we ask when we make decisions. And our aim is to continuously simplify our lives. And so when it comes to making big decisions, we ask that question. And sometimes the, the complicated to take on something that's more complicated is unavoidable. But ultimately in the big picture, if our goal is to live a simple, minimally impactful or negatively impactful life to be able to best enjoy the present moment, it means making decisions that will simplify things. Absolutely. And when we simplify things, we leave more energy, we leave more time, we leave more decision energy as well to do the things we love and to spend time with the people we love and to, you know, do extracurricular curricular activities we love or go on that walk or go on that trip or read that book or do that side project. Yes. So we don't overschedule ourselves. We try to live in such a way that reduces the number of decisions we even need to make on a daily basis and just keep life simple. We strive to be able to enjoy. And and yeah, so. Can you think of an example where we've simplified and not complicated in the near past? The near past? Yeah. I can think, uh, well, let's say today. Mm -hmm. Here's a super basic example is usually when Finn wakes up from his afternoon nap on the weekend, we go somewhere or do something or try and find an activity to do. And we'd been working in the garden. And I was like, I'm tired. I don't really want to go out. I'm still wearing the same ginormous overalls that I had since grade 10. I didn't want to change my clothes. Finn was happy. And so I pulled out a pot, filled it with water, gave him some kitchen stuff. He sat for like 45 minutes, which is a miracle with a two-year-old, played in the pot of water. And we just simplify. We just sat at home and had a nice, contented, quiet time. Great example. So simplify, don't complicate was a jingle we made up when we were away traveling. And just when you go, when, when you go away, you get exposed to different ways of living. And it just inspired us to want to strip back, not necessarily our desires, but our intention for how we want to live. And our intention is to keep it simple, to be healthy, to be happy, and to make the decisions that work towards that or continue that, I should say. We also, on that same trip, made up the jingle, so many places to live, so many things to see and do, but I'm not going to sing that one. Which uh, will come out on our album that we'll be <laughs> dropping in 2034. So if you still remember this, hit us up and we'd be happy to send you our jingle CD. 
So those are our house rules. Over on culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast, we've summarized these for you with a few extra resources and references to help you bring some health and happiness building house rules into your home. And just in conclusion on the whole house rule thing, these are things that allow us to not have to think about them over and over and over and deal with the agony of changing it up in any way. Right. Reducing the amount of decisions we need to make. Exactly. So I think it's almost 10 p.m. We have to shut out our lights. (laughs) (laughs) We are recording this on a Sunday evening after Finn's gone to sleep and it's time for us to now wind down. Again, please remember we have loads more resources and all of the links in a helpful bullet point summary over on culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast. And a quick reminder to check out the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program, Space is Limited, and you can learn more at culinarynutrition.com or check out a free training I made just for you at culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training. If you enjoyed this episode, we have lots more in store. Please help us spread the word, share on socials and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening and have a great day.